Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Elizabeth Ward Land is one talented woman. She's known for her standout roles on Broadway in Amazing Grace, Scandalous, The Scarlet Pimpernel, as well as a featured soloist in the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber, and most recently as a member of Sarah Silverman's off-Broadway musical The Bedwetter. Elizabeth also has a slew of acting credits, including Boardwalk Empire, The Blacklist, Law and Order SUV, Madam Secretary, and My Children, to name just a few. Using her powerful and resonant voice, Elizabeth's new album, Still Within the Sound of My Voice, The Songs of Linda Ronstadt, is a powerful tribute to the 11-time Grammy-winning music legend who was diagnosed with progressive supranuclear palsy, or PSP, a condition that caused her to lose motor control of her vocal cords and one that ended her singing career. Her last performance was in 2009. She was also the focus of a CNN Films documentary, Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Elizabeth's concert version of Still Within the Sound of My Voice received a 2020 Bistro Award for Outstanding Tribute Show after sold-out performances at Manhattan's Green Room 42 and Chelsea Table and Stage. So, let's meet and get to know this accomplished creative woman. Elizabeth, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, that's exciting. So, I often ask singers if... When you were growing up, you were singing in the bathtub. Oh, I think, or, yes, in, the sh- I think or in the shower. I was singing my entire life. My parents say that I would sing and tap dance down the aisles of the grocery store. And I was tiny, tiny, tiny and had red hair. So um, I was really wanting the spotlight on me <laughs> and making, making quite a splash. Um, but yeah, my whole family was quite musical. So we all sang. Um, and had music on um, a lot, so yeah, I've been I've been singing. I don't ever remember a time not expressing myself with the sound of my voice. Let me put it that way. Uh-huh. See what I, I did there? <laughs> uh-huh. I interviewed Jane Monheit, and she said she came out of the womb singing. So that sounds very similar to what you're saying as well, and that it was encouraged at home. Yeah, my mom was a piano teacher. Her mom was a her mother had been a piano teacher, and. Um, I just had a lot of innate musical talent, as did most of my other siblings. I'm in the middle of five. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I played the piano. Obviously, my mom taught me to play the piano. But I also, in um, fourth grade, the elementary school had an oboe. And they just gave it to me and told me that I was going to play it. <laughs> so I spent then really the next uh, 15, 20 years playing the oboe also, which is what I originally went to college for. Cause I didn't really ah. know. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was equally at home on the stage, in the orchestra pit, in the choir. I knew it was going to be something with performing in some way, but I originally went because someone gave me, um, some scholarship money to go <laughs> and play the oboe. And then about halfway through, um, through my my freshman year of college, I said, "Oh, this is for the birds. I'm gonna I belong on stage." So I switched my major actually to drama, and I uh, got most of my education that way. But uh, I probably should have just come straight to New York and been an actor. But in those days, we didn't. I didn't know that you could do that. Um, and my parents were pretty hell bent on me going to college, so that's the way it worked out. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Denver. 
Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So when you were going to school, orchestra notwithstanding, did you try out for the school musicals? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I was, okay. all, I was still, all, all still doing that in high school also. Uh-huh. But I was spending equally as much time playing the oboe. And the oboe is such a weird instrument. Um, you know, it's very solitary existence, existence, and you have to learn how to make your own reeds. And I was terrible at making my own reeds. So um, I did end up having to keep up the oboe through my years um, at college because I did get some scholarship money to do that, but I, I, it wasn't my sole focus. Um, and actually in my Linda Ronstadt, the, the show proper, um, Linda Ronstadt did the Pirates of Penzance on Broadway and I pull out my oboe and we do a bit of a spoof of Pirates of Penzance using my oboe, which we, ah. actually, we actually changed that for this album version of it. And um, that was at the, at the end of a medley of what we call the collaborators medley, kind of celebrating that Linda just loved to perform and celebrate other people, other performers. So we, we, we actually tie the oboe, the, my oboe thread through it. But we thought it would be too confusing for the, for the average listener if you're just picking up the album. So we did a couple of changes um, from the show, what I do in the show, to what really got on the album. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were in college and you started to get a better sense of who you were, did it become a natural act for you to say, you know what, I'm going to, what, try out for plays or I want to do kind of cabaret things? Well, I really did everything, which is what, why I can really relate to Linda Ronstadt. I think I innately just wanted to be a storyteller. And I have had as much success in my career of doing non-musical things as I have also because I can sing. I mean, I've, I'll certainly Broadway musicals are my first love. Um, but many of the roles that I've played, um, I didn't really have to sing. And I like them just as much. It's just a different way of storytelling. So um, I think versatility has been my key, certainly in my longevity key. Well, it's worked for you. Yeah, I didn't know it then. And I think I was um, resentful of it early on in my career, my versatility, because I don't think really anybody knew exactly where to peg me. But I kind of just kept trucking and, and, and putting my hand into a whole bunch of different areas of show business. In the same way, Linda... Linda Ronstadt, only using really the sound of her voice as her singing, but just wanted to sing everything and did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So did you go to college in Denver as well? No, I went to college at the University of the Pacific, which had a conservatory, the University of the Conservatory of the Pacific in Stockton, California. Okay. Long, Long story of how I got there. And it was a liberal arts college. And um, by the end of it, I did graduate with a degree in drama. And then I went um, and spent two years getting my master's, an MFA in acting, which was also a long story in that at University of California at Davis. So just a few miles away from where I went to undergrad. I spent a few years in Washington, D.C., following a boyfriend there, uh, a fellow actor, a friend of mine who I had fallen in love with. And we spent a few years there. And then I, you know, made my way to New York and have been in the Broadway world pretty much ever since I, um, uh, so, and, and here, and, you know, I'm still there. So it's, uh, very grateful. Was it an easy road to hoe for you when you came to New York and going on auditions and did it take you long to mm. get an agent? No, I was kind of a spoiled brat. 
when I was leaving Washington, D.C., when this boyfriend and I were breaking up, I ended up getting playing Kathy Selden in the Nash, in the bus and truck tour of Sing It in the Rain hmm. um, through a tour company that operated um, in the Washington, D.C. area. But when I finished that, I kind of knew that I was ready to come to New York. And I had one summer of of old-fashioned summer stock where um, I was an apprentice to get my equity card and met a lot of um, friends that I still have to this very day. And very soon after that, I went out on the national tour of Les Miserables. Les, Les ah. Mis had just opened um, and was sending out all the tours. So I hit pay dirt pretty early. And then right after that, went into City of Angels on Broadway. So I made it to Broadway while I was in my 20s So and got an agent and all those things kind of at the same time. So I, I luckily got to s- skip a lot of steps. So you didn't have to work as a waitress? Um, no, I worked about two weeks as a waitress and was so bad at it uh-huh. that um, I really was fired. And I ended up getting Les Mis right after that. And uh, I remember at the time I was just like, ha, 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 ha. I don't need to be yeah, a waiter you anyway, go. you know? Well, the stars were aligned. <laughs> Thank God. I would be much a much better waiter now. Um, but I haven't had to do it. Uh, I've, I've never really yet. Yeah. I would lose my, the older I get, the less patience I have. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I, just, I, have no, I have no poker face either. I just think it would be like, what do you mean? <laughs> Or what do you want to eat already? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So in a way, your career was not or hasn't been much of a slog. It hasn't been a slog, but it has been um, because I dipped my hands in so many different areas trying to find the thing that was going to define me. I haven't yet found the thing or had the exposure um, to the acclaim that I feel like I am due, you know, I haven't had my leading role on Broadway. And, um, so I've had, I've had some nice parts on Broadway, but I'm sure love to have the, the thing that's going to be, uh, really only I can do. Um, so I'm still right, kind of waiting, right. just hanging on, but I've, it's been a wonderful lot. It's, I've had a wonderful, wonderful career. And I think that's when I wrote this show, it's really what I learned by writing this show is that the, that the sound of my voice had carved out my life in all the ways that I always hoped it could. When I was a little girl standing in my living room, singing to the record player, singing all the time, imitating people and finding the different colors in my voice and the different ways I could sing. Cause I could always sing in a whole bunch of different genres. I, I could hear it and just sing it. And when I really realized that, that I was standing in this pretty house in New Jersey and I, I married an actor, I, you know, the man of my dreams, and I've got a whole bunch of cats and a life spent doing show business um, in, in my way. I've, I've, every time I've had a job, it's never felt like a job because I would have done it for free. Um, I really realized that my life had turned out pretty much the way I wanted it. And the peace of knowing that at this stage in my career really, really helped. Must be very liberating. It was very liberating for me. It was very freeing. And it was, I just went, oh, okay. So- Sure, exhale. I just exhale, like you did it. Like you just, you did what you wanted to in your life. And it was because of the sound of your voice. And- I really attribute it to this show because I finally got out of my own way and 
wrote something for myself. I wrote myself the vehicle I could always dream of. <laughs> and uh, which was thus kind of the reason also that I did want to go ahead and record it because um, I talk about it in the show um, and you mentioned it in your, in your beautiful introduction. When I go to sing every day, Linda Ronstadt is forefront in my mind. What would uh-huh. I do if I went to sing one day and it wasn't there? Yeah, or I was I, noticing hmm. that it was changing or some, something, something that was, was going on in me was inhibiting me from expressing myself in the way that had defined me my whole life. Of course. And I think about her and the grace in which she's handled it and um, in the forward motion um, that she has maintained. And I don't take it for granted. So I decided that, you know, money be damned and, and time be damned. I'm going to go into the studio. And so we did. We went in, we went in, recorded at Yellow Yellow Sound Lab, Michael Carter's Yellow Sound Lab in New York, and um, found a couple days where my entire team could do it. And we got all the material in. And then I kind of just have spent the last few months uh, getting the album ready. And I'm super, super proud of the album. And so I appreciate the help of forums like yours to get the word out. I think it's a beautiful album. I think it celebrates Linda. It's an insight into, I hope by the time you finish listening to it, you feel like you're my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, get her music out in the world. It's been fun to kind of catch on to this swirl of energy that she has had in the last few years. And it was around the same time I was doing my show. I mean, I, I named my show Still Within the Sound of My Voice. This gorgeous documentary, which you also mentioned by CNN about the sound of her voice. You know, she was a real tra- trailblazer and uh, a force to be reckoned with. Well, she was iconic. And I think that, I mean, who never heard of her? Who never heard any of her songs? You know, it just begs the question, what do you have been living under a rock for so long? And when I watched that documentary, I mean, I was in that, you know, hook, line and sinker. And also what one of the takeaways, forget her talent, was the lack of bitterness. Yeah. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah, she just kind of, she has a soberness about her, a kind of like a frankness, very much her own person. Early, exactly. even from early on. I mean, there yes, was, I'm sure you remember in that in the documentary they show her being interviewed with is it Dick Cavett, and he's kind of, or maybe it's more of Griffin. I can't remember, but it's it's one of the one of she's on one of those shows, and they ask her kind of a kind of a, I don't know, an an, an insensitive question, and she really calls him on it. And, you know, she was, I just loved her. You know, she didn't wear a bra. She kind of would just, you know, she was, she was unabashedly sexy. Right, right. And kind of girls in a boys club. And, you know, we didn't have women rock and rollers yet. No. And And she was the mistress of her own fate. I'm sitting here just pouring all these accolades out, but they're all true. And so clearly her music and her sense so resonated with you. It really did. I challenged myself to, to create my own vehicle, a vehicle for myself, and celebrate some, one, some singer that I loved. And I have loved many, many singers. And um, I always kind of thought it would be Barbara Streisand because I spent a couple weeks with Barbara Streisand helping her um, back in 2006 and seven get ready, ready for her tour. And um, I always thought maybe it would be Streisand. But when I really sat and thought about every genre that I like to sing in, 
really the one name that was in, that kept popping up like a 23andMe DNA kit, seriously, was Linda Ronstadt. Wow. And, mm-hmm. and really also a trailblazer and all that. And so it really became Linda. And then once I had her, um, my narrative really began to take off. And what I, especially how I wanted to place it and um, her love of harmony. I live to sing harmony with other people. Some of my happiest moments in my life is when my voice is nestled in accord with other singers. And um, so we decided to celebrate that in the show and on the album and um, her love of collaborating with people. Um, famous partnerships, you know, all the, the Aaron Neville years and the James Ingram and Dolly Parton and Emily Harris. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I really found my footing once we did that. And, and, I, and as I said, I, I realized that my versatility in show business was very much akin to hers in, her, in the music world. I don't know. I've just, it's just, I've just had the time of my life. Just, it's just been so, so fun. Have the two of you ever met? No, and I want to. Do you know her? <laughs> do you, does anybody out there know her? Can anybody get her at my CD to her and tell her that I'm okay and that, that I wouldn't be a stalker and could we please be friends? Why wouldn't you send her your CD? I don't know how to get it to her. There must be a way. That's not, that's not you know, like We're working Fort on it. We're working Knox on it. Or whatever. I bet she would just be really, I'm not going to say flattered, but I think she'd really be taken with something like that. Of somebody doing her, I believe her she oeuvre. would be, and I, and I'm not a, I'm not an imitator of of any sort. You know, I really these are my takes on on the songs, but it's yeah, I, I, I'm serious. We're 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 working on it. We're working on getting into her. But I would love if anybody's out there that listening that knows, please tell Sandy, and I will, <laughs> I will get it to her. You know what is it? Flattery is the best form of what? What is that? Uh, <laughs> Imitation is the best form of flattery. flattery, Exactly. She was just so iconic. And uh, I really feel like I'm deifying her, but that's not, but that's not inappropriate. No, I don't think it is. As I said, it's just been really fun to just dive into her remarkable life and um, all the songwriters that she celebrated and the people that she would lift up. And, you know, the um, Glenn Fry and um, Don Henley were her backup band, and then mm. she was like, "No, you guys sound great together." They formed the Eagles, you know. Wow, well, uh, I know. She just why don't you yeah, just sent her your CD. I mean, why does that seem difficult? I don't think we know where to send it. Well, in this day and age, where everybody's personal information is so public, we're really trying. Yeah, I mean, not that you need me to tell you what to do, but <laughs> no. I, I think that she would really be. Um, She'd be taken and smitten. She realizes, again, I use the word iconic, what her music was. And who has never heard her sing? You know, maybe not all of her songs, but she was just an institution. Yeah, she really was. It was hard. I mean, there were so many songs to choose from. Like, I just, I just scratched the surface. And I've got 13 songs, two of which are medleys and, and have, you know, a ton of songs in them. And one, which is a duet, we paired Heart Like a Wheel with Faithless Love. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really have about 20 songs or 22 songs, but there were just tons. I feel like I give a real short shift to the whole Mad Love era and some of the later later stuff too. But, you know, you can only only have so many. I was going to say, you can only do so much. Yeah, Um, you can only do so much. In your 
career as a singer, you also managed very successfully to merge it with acting. And Mm -hmm. does one thing give you more pleasure than another, or do you try to do both at the same time? Or but there's nothing wrong with being defined by more than one in more than one way. Yeah, I think that's just kind of the story of my life. I mean, I guess I would say I would I prefer to act and sing at the same time. That I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I think I came I, I came to Broadway to do musicals because I like that art form and I had I had a singing facility and able to tell the stories through that. But I I do like all of them. I just finished The Bedwetter, which was Sarah, yeah, Sarah was Silverman's you about new that. musical. And the role that I um, that I was understudying, B.B. Newworth created it, had one just one song, very simple but beautiful song. And this was all about, this was much more of an acting and a comic role. Um, so mm-hmm. I really like them all. I really like them all. I do, I mean, I do like to sing. There's something about the physical act of singing that... Um, transports you it does it transports you and it there's i think it's it's because of what it requires of your body to sing you have it 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 creates it's almost like very close to a runner's high on an endorphin high and i notice that if i'm oh say i'm you know having in a a kind of a blue period or feeling Uh mad or depressed or something i won't sing until i'm ready to pop out of that funk because I know if I sing, it's going to pop me out of my funk. And sometimes I'm just not ready to get out of it yet. You know? um, and okay. it was very curious in the pandemic because the first few months of the pandemic, I had just won the Bistro Award for this, um, for this show. And I had a lot of work um, on the books. So I really felt like I splatted down to earth when the pandemic, you know, and it was just, the news was so bleak in the early pandemic and we all didn't know. And they thought Broadway would be back at Memorial Day. And, you know, it was just, you know, it just kept unfolding and unfolding and just more horror. I didn't sing for a couple months and I just wasn't ready to lift out yet. You know, and then once I began to sing again, I was like, okay, I'm going to sing. I do a bit of, of teaching too. I wasn't supposed to teach kids in my house. I mean, we couldn't sing amongst each other. Yeah. And yeah. all of that, this sharing of song was, you know, forbidden. And um, I don't know, just so, so curious to think about now. Um, you know, and we're still, we're still spreading it. We're still the super spreaders breathing, you know, breathing right, loudly right. onto each other. But you've been able to, Expose yourself more now. Yeah. You're getting back to normal. I'm getting back to normal. It was nice to have a job and I have some um, some dates coming up for this show. I did some, I had a busy summer last year with it too, but still mostly outside. And, you know, attendance was still not great last summer. People were still not going all the time. So just to see things. Did you perform everywhere, meaning outside of the city, New York City? Um, I did. I did perform. I did my piece three times at a beautiful theater in upstate New York, um, the McHayden Theater in Chatham, New York. Mm-hmm. And then we have a beautiful theater out here where I live in New Jersey called the Paper Mill Playhouse. Oh, and sure. I live a- in New Jersey also, so oh, I'm you familiar. Do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then a beautiful theater called the Legacy Theater in uh, Brantford, Connecticut. When you say when you're doing that, are you doing that on your own or are you being cast in something? 
Well, that is my Linda Ronstadt show, but I'm also okay. going to play Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard coming up. Oh my that's, going, that's going to be very fun. It's a role I did before and I'm so excited to do it again. Um, I'm doing that in Norwalk, Connecticut at the Music Theater of Connecticut. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Is there a form of your talents that speaks to you more than something else that you would prefer to do <laughs> much more on a regular basis? Uh, given work, the, uh, given work. the well, yeah, right. But given the opportunity, what would yeah. it be? I guess singing. I guess to sing. I think performing in a musical. I because it's the mix of them. It's it's you have the safety of being a character. You have the acting of the piece and the singing. Uh, yeah. So I think those are those are my favorite. But I I really do enjoy it all. How much of what you do performance wise is original to you that in terms of what you've written and what you've decided to present on stage? This is my only thing that I've ever written, this this Linda Ronstadt show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I had those writing skills. I don't hear songs in my head, like I don't write songs. Um, I've written a few jingles. I have re- wrote a jingle for my, my favorite tarot lady, um, the tarot lady on Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, and I wrote her a jingle. And it's really one of the only things I've ever heard. Um, sometimes my husband and I will write um, birthday songs for people. But no, I'm really not a writer. This one, this show kind of came out of, as I said, of me just wanting to have a almost more of a concert vehicle for myself. And then it really started to show that it did have a narrative. And I really enjoyed it. But maybe because I just feel like I'm a fake writer that I'm not, you know, I don't know how to write. I mean, how do you know how to write? I, I know I know that feeling. I know. It's almost like you're putting one over on people. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, you know, we, all of us in show business kind of feel like that. We're like, oh, some, one day someone's going to discover that I really have no idea how or why I am doing this, but I have seemed but to have worked. fooled them so but far. Fooled them so far. <laughs> what would you like to do that you haven't done? I'd like to be a recurring role on a TV show. I think that oh, would yeah? be fun. I would, I would really like to, yeah, most of the TV things that I've done are these guest stars. So you go, you only go in for a couple of days and you kind of get to know, you know, you get to know a, the people on the set peripherally, but you don't ever really have that continuity of the collaborating, um, the safety of feeling like you all know each other, which is the, which is why I love this being in the, on on stage so much in theater yeah Yeah, there's a a collaborative sense in in the theater that is like really nothing else it's all this immense talent coming together at the same moment in time Mm -hmm. and recreating those moments i would like to have the experience of doing that on a on on tv um or have a have a you know more than a few days on a movie even some of the movies i've done I've only been there for a few days. So you're only, you're only really getting to know the people that you're in the scene with. And, you know, um, but certainly I've, I, I, I'd love to be on a TV show. I'd love to have some nice, some nice, uh, nice, I don't know, ni- nice role and have it uh, be shooting here in New York. And I get to report on set every day. If I'm, if I'm going to manifest my dreams, that would, because I haven't done that yet. And of course, I'd love to star in a Broadway show. But is there a reason why you haven't? Why it hasn't happened? Oh, just haven't landed it yet. I have a good team behind me, so um, and I get a lot of wonderful opportunities. Just haven't landed it that, that yet. So, do you see yourself 
writing another, and I use the term in quotes, musical, a la Linda Ronstadt? <laughs> I don't know. I am working, starting to work with a, a, a dreamy guitarist, um, Sean Harkness, and I, uh, he's a very notable guitarist here in town. And we're kind of thinking of a Glenn Campbell show. Um, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm, I'm starting to toss some ideas around for another thing. I've been pretty much stuck in Linda land. Um, but now that the album's coming out, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start uh, entertaining some other ideas. I could do a whole second Linda Ronstadt album with the amount of stuff that she had. Now, I have to say, Elizabeth, that not having done anything like this in my life ever, it just seems like on, on some level, and maybe I'm being just way too dismissive of this, a no-brainer to reach out to her and say, I think you're going to like what I've just done. We really, really want to. I think we don't know who to, where to reach. I How think Dan is working yeah. on it. Yeah. So. Uh huh. I think she'd really be taken, and I, I, I don't know. And and the passion and the you know the love that you have for this is very contagious. It's really been fun. What was that like being in a Sarah Silverman to switch gears a little bit? Sarah oh, yeah. Silverman production. Well, Sarah. I think is a magical, magical woman. I think she is, she's so super bright. Obviously she's hysterically funny. Um, I think she's beautiful. And this was a musicalized version of some stories from her childhood and of her childhood trauma of being a bedwetter. And I think it was very brave, um, for her to take her clothes off mm-hmm. and do no, this, no, uh, well, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's um, it's based on her book, her best-selling book, The Bedwetter, and um, the book writers Josh Harmon, and the Adam, the songs written by Adam Schlesinger, who died of COVID. Mm. Um, this was supposed to be done three years ago when COVID hit, and um, or two years ago, and the composer contract, you know, got COVID first round and died. So it had a lot of, this has had a lot of drama around it. And, um, you know, it's always really interesting to be in on a new musical. There's really nothing harder. That's as you're creating, creating, every step of it is so important from the musical transitions to the, certainly the casting. We had spectacular teenagers playing these, the main parts. I mean, the main, the the actress that drives the show is 12 years old, 13 years old. Oh, wow. Um, just, just great. Um, it, was, it was wonderful. And it was my first um, kind of long-term job out of COVID. So I was just really grateful to have some place to go again on a consistent oh, I basis. Bet. I had really missed that and the collaborating. So it was just a win on every kind. And I think the piece is so, so, so special. It's hysterical and moving and the music's great. And I don't know, I just have high hopes for it. It'll be fun to see what happens. I've trained myself to just kind of say goodbye and re- move on. You never know. Um, but this one was really, really fun. Why are you saying it that way? Trained yourself to move on. You don't know what's going to happen with the piece as they, as they evolve. I mean, I don't know if this one's, we think, you know, they, I'm sure they're, they're hoping for a life, another life. They'd have this beautiful off-Broadway run and they may be looking for a more commercial run or transferring it to some, you know, to a bigger venue. And you just don't know where the pieces will fall for you. I think actors, we are very used to being replaced. Mm. And I've been replaced enough time or had my heart broken enough time that I just kind of, I try to stay in the moment of these things at this point. 
Um, Good for you. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. But just, you know, you just move on to the next. Well, I think the fact that you had this aberrational thing happening to you, like it was to all of us, as in COVID, there's no planning. There's no plotting. There's nothing to compare this to, you know. No, it really was so unique. Yeah. And and that you have to kind of reconfigure yourself and Mm -hmm. that hopefully variants notwithstanding that you're able to now see that you can go back somewhat to the way things were before. I'm guessing. All the actors are still really having to get, because we're breathing in these small spaces. Sure, so, and I did sure. get COVID during bedwetter. I mean, so it was, it was, I mean, I had, I had a mild case. I'm tired of COVID. I kind of straddle the fence. I mean, I certainly have taken, had all the vaccines and, you know, and it, done everything for myself. But I also was like, I just, I am going to start doing things because I am ready. And um, I think we all kind of are. The show business people, that, especially the live actors and singers, were the last to go back to work and are still being kind of hit the hardest. And, the, and there's just so many questions still. So many questions. There's just stuff you can't take to the bank. But having said that, I often ask my guests that's at the end of the, of the conversation, if I was your fairy godmother, you'd ask me what? Well, I would probably, I probably would ask you if I'm going to, you know, just stay alive for a little while. I don't take it for granted that you're, you're going to be here tomorrow, but I'm going to be here tomorrow. I mean, we only mm-hmm. have today. That's the crazy randomness of, of life. And every day, especially at the age I am now, I hear of someone, you know, that I know that's dying or just the randomness of life, of it. So I'd probably say, am I, am I, you know, can you tell me how much longer I have? But I don't know. What, 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 what would I change? Probably nothing. I'm pretty much living, living my life. Okay. But is there something that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Um, I mean, you've had a very rich and rewarding career. I'm not, know, saying, I, I'm not inferring that like, oh gosh. I can't off the top of my head say what I would want, uh, what I would want. Well, then that's because you've been satisfied professionally. I know. Yes. Yes, that's, that's, thank you for that insight. Maybe I am satisfied. Maybe I am satisfied. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a starring role on Broadway. Or, okay. Or a recurring role on a TV show. Can you give me that, Fairy Godmother? Well, I'll get back to you. How's that? <laughs> I'll definitely get back to you. Well, it was really great to meet and get to know you, Elizabeth. Oh, and I thought that it would be really wonderful to end our conversation with a sample of you and Linda Ronstadt. So what would you like us to hear? The mood would say probably blue by you. Mm, okay. So we're going to end our conversation with Elizabeth Ward Land singing Blue By You from Linda Rothstadt's oeuvre. And it's been just such a delight to meet and get to know you. And thank you for all the wonderful work that you do. Thank you for this opportunity, Sandy. I really appreciate it. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. I feel so bad, I've got a worried mind I am so lonesome all the time Since I left my baby behind On Blue Bayou Saving nickels, 
Saving dimes and working till the sun don't shine. Looking forward to happier times on Blue Bayou. I am going back someday. Come what may to Blue Bayou, where the folks are fine and the world is mine on Blue Bayou, where those fishing boats with their sails afloat. If I could only see a familiar sunrise. Through sleepy eyes, how happy I'd be! I'm gonna see my baby again. I'm gonna be with some of my friends. Maybe I'll feel better again on Blue Bayou. Saving nickels. Saving dimes, I'm working till the sun don't shine. Looking forward to happier times on Blue Bayou. Hurting inside.